Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira, and joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, uh, it's been a pretty much a pretty good week uh, for Deputy Sports, and how your guys' week's been? You know, uh, pretty good, considering where our mental state was after last week. You know, all the sports seem to be um, pretty down after their losses, but we laid out the groundwork for what needed to be done to raise our hopes. And we, I don't think we could have done a better job, but, um, obviously we'll dive more into that once we get into our sports topics. Yeah, no, it's awesome to finally, um, talk about a bunch of wins for once. Um, then we got plenty of, uh, NFL trade deadline stuff to get to NBA. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Doing good. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to first off with FU football. Uh, after their disappointing loss against UTEP, they bounced back with a 24-17 win over UAB. So it's definitely a great win, a very crucial win for the team. They, as they improved to a 4-5 and five record, 3-2 and two in conference play. So what are your guys' thoughts on how FU played against UAB this past Saturday? Well, Year-round, I think we've had some of the same concerns um, going into games, you know, whether that be with penalty issues, um, efficiency on offense, consistency on defense. Those are pretty prominent things that we're able to point our finger at. However, in this game, I think we were able to finally keep those in check and have a very quality game all around. One thing I noticed uh, going through the stat sheets is we were pretty balanced running the ball and passing the ball offensively. You know, we weren't too reliant on uh, Nikosi Perry trying to get things done through the air, although when we did turn um, to him, he was very effective in the passing game. And on the ground, we were able to pick up around 172 yards on the ground. So that's what you like to see. As for penalties, only five penalties in total for 45 yards. Um, if I were to nitpick and point out anything that I'd like to see some improvement on moving forward would just be the third down efficiency. We were only six for 16 in that regard. But uh, UAB's a quality team in this conference you know they're kind of middle of the pack wouldn't say um they're going to win the conference outright but they are they are a quality team um and they were around our caliber and we needed to play a complete football game in order to beat them and the fact that we were able to pull that out how we did especially coming off of last week's kind of upsetting moral loss um i feel like we did extremely well and i was kind of proud coming out of that game and especially moving forward yeah um it was great to watch. Uh, like you said, it's there's been very few instances this year where they've played, you know, um, a game where we can go back and look and like, oh, the entire team was on. Everybody was, you know, meshing. We haven't just played a complete game yet. Um, but this 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 win against UAB is, is probably as close as they've got. Um, everybody was seemed to be playing great. Cozy Perry played out of his mind. Those two of those touchdown throws were absolutely insane throws that one in the corner of the touchdown that was perfectly placed ball um he played great um thought the defense played well and it's these are like it's a small positive that you can take away like that they're staying in bowl contention um and UABs they're uh, like you said a quality opponent I believe coming into the game they were ranked 18th in the country in um, scoring defense so being able to um you know, play well on offense, um, on the ground and through the air against the defense like that. That's um, something to feel confident about. So it was a good win. 
Yeah, definitely. And this was a very good game for Nicosi Perry. Three passing touchdowns. One of them, as you mentioned, Cameron, was a pass to the corner of the end zone to Tony Johnson. It it was a beautiful pass that like basically floated in the air and just went right into Tony Johnson's hands. It was it, a clean throw by Perry. I want to say that was like perfect blanket coverage. I don't uh, remember the defensive back name, but he covered that route perfectly. It was man on man. And looking back, it's kind of because of that coverage was kind of an ill-advised throw. If it's that ball is two inches to the left, two inches to the right, it's either out of bounds or batted. He perfectly, that was just a beautiful throw. That was probably one of the better throws I've seen in a while. Yeah, definitely. And with, with their record as it stands, four and five, they really need six wins to have to clinch bowl eligibility. So at the very least, they need to go two and one. For next this week, they'll be on they're on bye week. So they have which is the second bye week of this season. It will be the last one as they will take on uh, FIU on November 12th. But until then, we can rest FU we and FU fans can rest easy for the moment with FU football at the moment. And from FU football, we head on to FU soccer, starting off with the men's. And for the last home game of the season, I guess as SMU, not ranked number 12 in the country, FU came through, coming, coming away with a 2-1 victory to keep their chances of qualifying for the American Athletic Conference Tournament alive. So what are your guys' thoughts on this FU squad taking, getting what was a crucial win to stay alive in postseason, to, to have a postseason appearance? Um. I'm kind of amazed, um, if I'm honest. You know, speaking about it, we were kind of already – we weren't necessarily overlooking it because uh, we were saying how we have a chance to, you know, pull out a strong performance. We hadn't been playing well um, as of late. We hadn't had a win, I believe, in the last four game, five games prior, you know, four losses and a draw. Um, but against a top 25 team in SMU, especially on senior night, um, they, you know, that takes some guts. It's not an easy matchup. Um, you definitely aren't expected to win. No one's expecting you to win. But um, I think a huge proponent in this game was our goalkeeper, um, Neil Strauber. I mean, 23 shots, seven of them, only seven of them were on goal, though. But out of the seven, he's able to save six of those. Um, one came, I believe, I don't remember if it was in the first half. I thought for sure it was going to be a goal, and he made a diving save that just completely bewildered me. Um Honestly, the way the game kind of played out, it's exactly how I would imagine Team USA would need to perform if we want to beat England. Um, just score on one counterattack and then just play some stout defense the entire game. But that just kind of shows you um, the beauty of the game of soccer. I mean, no matter what, you can have kind of a lackadaisical game on the offensive side and just have one shot sneak past the keeper and you'll end up pulling it out as long as you play um, some stout defense. Um, so that's kind of what I took away from it. Obviously, it's a huge moral morale boost to be the top 25 team in the country, not because um, of how you got it done, but just knowing that you can get it done moving into ACC play. You know, they're one of the better teams in the AAC. So obviously early on, um, if we're able to qualify, we have, we have some favorable matchups before we'll have to run into them again. But before we even look onto that, you know, we have FIE first as a huge rivalry game, so that'll be a huge boost going into the playoffs if we're able to win that one first. But just in regards to the SMU game, fantastic win. 
you know, not the prettiest of wins, but you got the job done. Nothing more you can ask. Exactly what he said. Um, this fantastic win. It's um, exactly um, what, like the morale was like. He said that you need heading into, possibly heading into the tournament, and you just can't give enough credit to um, Neil Strawberg uh, with six saves and um, SMU taking twenty three shots on goal. He played very well and um, was a huge part of that win. Um, I can, I honestly, with a win like this, I expect them to continue to, um, play well and hopefully get this win against FIU and hopefully qualify for the tournament. But this is, this is the exact kind of win you want to see heading into the postseason. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned, Cameron, SMU fired 23 shots, seven of them on target against FU's defense and FU did everything they could to keep almost every one of those shots out. The only goal against City was a very good shot from one of their players uh, that the ball went out of the box and the player just fired it back into the net. It was a very good, it was a very good goal to equalize the game, but luckily for a few, they pulled it out at near the end of the second half and just really pulled through. And it was a very important win for them, especially if they want to sneak into the American athletic conference tournament, their season finale on the road against FIU on Wednesday, November 2nd at 7 PM. All FE needs to qualify for the tournament is a draw, or they'll have to, if if they don't win, they have to look outside of their matchup with FIU to hoping that UCF does not win against USF. So it's either a draw or a loss from you from UCF will pretty much pull FEU into the tournament. So definitely a lot of components uh, and circumstances revolving around FE's chances of making it to the tournament. And moving on from men's soccer, we have women's soccer. They took care of FIU on Wednesday, October 26th, with a 2-0 victory for their season finale. And they qualified as the fifth seed in the Conference USA tournament. They first take on Louisiana Tech in the quarterfinals on Wednesday, November 2nd at 4.30 p.m. So what are your guys' expectations on how FE will do in the Conference USA tournament? Um. Before I want to touch on the tournament, just to go over the FIU game, um, just shout out to Brie Austin. She's been amazing offensively this year. She ended up scoring another goal. I believe that was her um, sixth on the year. Seventh. Seventh? Yep. Oh, it was seventh. Okay, yeah, her seventh on the year. Huge congrats to her. She's been playing phenomenally. Um, just extremely all-around well performance. We were able to shut them down defensively and offensively, put a ton of shots on target, um, which ended up giving us some goals early on. Uh, or sorry, later in the game, two goals in the second half. But tournament-wise, you know, we're facing Louisiana Tech, who we actually didn't play too long ago, I believe. Yeah, uh, we ended up playing in October. That was our pink cow game, and we dropped that one. But if you want to go back and look at that game a little bit, we outplayed them. You know, we had more shots, more shots on goal. Um, they just had a little bit more saves, unfortunately. I think their only goal came um, on a set piece, a corner kick. So it's just one of those games where, you know, you play better, but the result just doesn't go your way. And I think I think that's the perfect setup for how the tournament needs to start off because you're facing a team which you know you're capable of beating, but you're going to have to play some quality football if you want a chance to pull out the win. You know, it can't be something you overlook by any means. You know, they're not – it's not 
that were like completely better than them or like outclassed them in any regard. You know, this is a great team that was able to place uh, well in the tournament as well. So they probably have the same mindset coming into it as we do. It's just all about whether or not we're able to execute as well as we need to. Um, I believe that game ended up coming down to like a last minute goal, which we ended up dropping, um, which was unfortunate. But I think it's the per not to summer done it, but it is the perfect matchup that we need to see moving forward. Um, this will be neutral site in North Carolina, which is good. You know, it's not really home or away um, compared to last time where it was at home. But um, I think it is the best game in terms of getting our mental straight if we want to progress deep into this tournament. Yeah, I agree that it's um, uh, a matchup that you like kind of uh, to start the tournament. Um, the, the record looks... Um, kind of similar to uh, FAUs. And like you said, um, we re they really kind of did outplay Louisiana whenever they met around a couple weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, and like it, like you said, it came down to kind of uh, a last-minute goal. I think it says here the 84th, yep, 84th minute. Um, so you you kind of know what their weaknesses are, and, hope, and hopefully you can kind of, in the rematch, harp on those same things again, try to exploit those same weaknesses again, and like he said, try to execute a little better so things like that don't happen. Because if, if the game kind of is played similar to um, the first matchup, I think FAU has a very good chance of being able to um, pull this one out. Yeah, when it comes to Louisiana Tech, it's only been two weeks since these two teams met. And as you mentioned, FU wasn't able to get away with a win. In fact, losing 2-1. So knowing that the matter was very recent in the past few weeks, uh, there will definitely be a lot of adjustments made because they're, they're even though it's just a few weeks apart, they're still familiar because <laughs> it has been very recent. So it gives FU an advantage to know what to look out for for their opponent that they already faced in the regular season. So it gives them a lot of things to expect and what to watch out for. So best of luck to them in the quarterfinals, and hopefully they can make a deep run in the process. And moving on from FU sports, we head on to national sports, starting with the NFL. Definitely a lot of things happened in week eight. Uh, Miami's continuing to improve their record with Tua, getting, pretty much getting back into rhythm. Uh, taking down Detroit, 31-27. Uh, the Jets and the Giants are starting to slow down a bit, losing to the Patriots and uh, and the Seahawks in the process. The, the, the Bills continue to make Green Bay season uh, more frustrating than it should have been to start off. And Monday night with Cleveland pulling out the 32-13 win over Cincinnati uh, Monday night. So a lot of things have happened. Uh, so I want to know your guys' thoughts on on the other on these type on these games and the other games that have happened throughout week eight. Um, you know, I'll just bring up because the trade deadline did officially um come to an end at four p.m. The two teams that I really want to discuss um in terms of improvement are the Dolphins and the Eagles. You know, they did exactly what they needed to do. Um, you know, Eagles more so in the offseason in terms of additions, not so much towards the deadline. For the Dolphins, I mean, they just keep raising their Super Bowl odds. I mean, by signing Bradley Chubb, by bringing on Jeff Wilson, you know, they're only going to continue to improve. 
Um, and for the Eagles, you know, in the offseason, they were like, hey, we need a number one receiver. Went out and got A.J. Brown. Hey, we need defensive line help. Went inside um, interior line help from the Chicago Bears. I mean, there's been a ton of moves, but you obviously see which teams are actually in win-now mode and which teams aren't. You know, on the aren't side of things, you want to look at the Packers, who are just extremely stagnant and didn't do anything. And on the other side, you know, this I don't really want to call this team out because, you know, they're kind of in a weird boat. But the Giants, you know, being at 6-2, and two, you, you could have used some wide receiver help, but rather you chose to protect your future assets and didn't trade anything away, which I respect. However, I feel like you could have made a decent push given with how good Dabbles had things, you know, ride the hot hand, um, see what you can do. But then again, I'm not in a managerial position and this is why I don't get paid to make these moves. But yeah, just my quick little excerpt about the NFL right there. Um, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say as well. Yeah, no, I about the trade line, deadline stuff, I definitely agree that those, the Eagles and the Dolphins moves, I think make sense. Um, kind of a lot more than a lot of some of the other ones because they're those are very in now moves and both of those like franchises are kind of they're in that stratosphere already. Um, I kind of say that because I'm kind of thinking of the Ravens, um, picking up Roquan Smith from Chicago, which that move just didn't. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I didn't comprehend for me on for the Ravens because his contract, they're picking up that contract with expires at the end of the year. He's kind of has his heart set on 20 million, it's kind of a lot. And you're inevitably going to have to pay Lamar Jackson higher than numbers go at the end of the season. So that, that move didn't really, that's a very win now move for the Ravens. I don't think they're there yet. Um, I also I kind of like the Jaguars picking up uh Calvin Ridley, which got announced like a little bit ago. Um it's not a very big bet. I don't remember exactly what the compensation was that they were sending, but it wasn't much. Like, yeah, he can't play until next September. Um but they didn't they didn't send much. If it doesn't work out, they're not hurting too much. But uh Lawrence hasn't looked great, so um I guess some help in the future couldn't hurt. So I didn't think that was a terrible move either. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on getting Chase Claypool from the Steelers, Cameron? Um, <laughs> what, what really it excites me more about the trade is not that we got Chase Claypool. It's more that um, the Bears, it seems like they're, for first time in history, they're committed to offense. Traditionally, they've put all their money kind of into defense. That's what, like, the franchises kind of always pride themselves on since kind of their origin. Um, Buckus, all those guys, and then eventually, like, uh, Erlacher Briggs. Um, and they've never just really invested heavily in offense. So now that they're kind of uh, essentially flipped a linebacker for a receiver in a fifth round, which I imagine, again, next year they'll use – on offense, hopefully. Um, it's just, they're just committed to offense for the first time ever, and it's kind of refreshing to see. That's really my only thoughts about that trade. I like it's, it's good, though, that he's going to have a proven kind of weapon to throw to for a couple of games now. Mm-hmm. And as we are getting close to, like, the midpoint of the NFL season, do you think there are teams who are 
uh, obviously exceeding expectations like the Eagles and the Giants and to a little bit of an extent to the Jets and whatever are teams that have been really disappointing. And I'm pretty sure there are a few options for us to think of. Um, I mean, just as a Patriots fan, I'm kind of disappointed that we're last in the standings, you know, considering we made the playoffs last year. Um, the worst circumstance because we're at like a 500 record 4-4, I think. Very true. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't help that the rest of our division decided to completely step up in terms of just talent and play level. Um, I also don't believe in bringing on a defensive coordinator to become your offensive coordinator. I'm looking at you, Matt Patricia. Um, please change your play calls for the love of God. Um, across the league, though, you know, the Titans kind of surprised me. You know, they started off 0-2, now won five straight. They've been playing extremely well as of late. Um, you know, the Raiders are extremely disappointing. I thought they'd be way more competitive in that division, but they just can't seem to get anything flowing. Um, Giants have been an obvious surprise, but that division is also just super competitive right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Eagles still undefeated, and then the Cowboys and the Giants both six and two. Um, I'm kind of surprised the Vikings are winning their division, but given how poorly Green Bay's played, um, it kind of shows you how reliant they were on having a number one or really having only one receiver for that matter, because they're really just not able to get it done anymore. Um, and it, it depresses me because I'm such a big Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers fan. It just kind of shows you that father time is undefeated. Now, given I have my excuses for these guys, but I'm going to leave that for my own personal matter. I'm just going to say from what I've seen, I don't think the blame should all fall on them. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, the Rams too, um, big disappointments, huge. You know, you went from Super Bowl contenders to now you look like you might not even make the playoffs. And then in their own division, the 49ers got Christian McCaffrey and looked like the most unstoppable team I've seen. But, you know, they're still 4-4 four four as well. So we'll have to see how that pans out as well. I've been personally, I've been really surprised by the Seahawks. Um, I'm one of the ones that kind of fed into the, you know, Smith. I'm very surprised by him. I kind of fed into the preseason like, oh, this is kind of the worst roster on in football. But Geno Smith has kind of been playing like top 10 quarterback and making pretty crazy throws um, week after week. Um not the greatest roster behind them. I don't, I don't think they're like as they like they were slated like the worst in the, the league, but not a great supporting cast. So being at five and three right now, um, at this point in the season, I, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I'm a little kind of a little surprised by the um, the uh, Cardinals. I'm sorry. Um, I was I. I like um, I like Kyler Murray, kind of. I like his place, uh, kind of like his play style, like the mobile quarterback. I, but I, I figured he'd be able to perform a lot better for kind of what they're paying him, kind of like everybody else did. Um, and, and I didn't think that they'd be having talks about bringing in a new coach at like week eight, week nine. But you know, that's kind of where we are. They've kind of surprised me about how disappointing a little bit but maybe now that we have Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins back um they'll start to improve a little bit we'll see yeah and with this trade trade trading deadline having 
pretty much passed. Is that am I if I'm correct? And yeah, with the strike deadline having passed, hopefully the team the teams that we mentioned make a huge step up, especially as they head into the second half of the season. And for our last topic of the day, we have the NBA. Um, two weeks over two weeks in. Um, the Jazz and the Spurs, for some reason, stay in the playoff picture and the Western Conference being strangely good. Uh, the Bucks are undefeated in the East, and some teams are starting to get a little more comfortable, uh, starting to get their defensive schemes into place. And on the, another team that just fired its head coach today with the Brooklyn Nets firing Steve, letting go of Steve Nash after like less than three seasons. So, what are your thoughts, guys, on the state of the Brooklyn Nets at this point, this early in the season? Um, I feel betrayed, um, not because I am a Nets fan, but because I'm a Celtics fan. And I keep hearing this breaking news about the Nets are closing in on signing Udoka. And I, I feel backstabbed. Like, how could you do this to us? Like, first you call cause all this controversy, and now you want to leave um, before you even get your team back. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just so kind of like taken aback by that. As for Steve Nash, you know, he's kind of like in a really weird situation there because I don't even know if like the Nets are that proven, really. Because I mean, the talent is there. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think Ben Simmons has the yips in terms of basketball. I mean, this man is terrified of shooting the basketball. I mean, like legitimately terrified. Um, you have Kyrie screaming at him, begging him to shoot the ball. You have Kyrie's off the court issues. Um, and then you just have Kevin Durant, who literally just wants to finish his career and like try to win another ring by any means necessary. And he just like completely has gone silent. Like he's just like, I just want the basketball. He's like, I don't care anymore. Um, but it, I'll be interested to see if a team makes a move on Steve Nash, just to see if he's worth giving another shot. Um, you know, I don't really think he can command a locker room as we can see, but then again, there were a lot of personalities in that room. So don't want to be too quick to judge. Um, outside of that, Miles Turner making comments about the Lakers need to pursue a trade for me. Like, Oh, like, okay. Wants to go play for that team. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, as much as I always say like, Oh, you know, Sport, sports channels only talk about like the same couple teams you know here i am still bringing up the lakers for god knows why you know they're one five we should be talking about the portland trailblazers except portland trailblazers aren't really like a marketable team like i could not tell you anything outside of damian lillard like i'm sorry i just not a huge fan they're playing great i'll give them their props huge shout out to them but you know we're still so early in the season that a lot of the teams that expect to make the playoffs aren't even in um the top eight seedings but you know time will tell let's just Give it some time to sort things out. The NBA has its natural process, just like Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of, as far as the Nets, I kind of hope maybe uh, that Steve Nash is a shot somewhere else because people are, like, describing his tenure as kind of, like, the worst. I've seen it. It's on Twitter, to be fair. But, um, like, calling his tenure, like, the worst coaching stint in the history of basketball and I just don't really like get that because I'm trying to think like how many coaches can successfully you know run a team with all that kind of background noise like you said um 
Kyrie when it's constantly and KD pretty much checking out and Harden fed into it, I'm sure, plenty. Um, it, it, this is hard to win, like, when you don't have – when the chemistry is kind of like, like that. Um, so I do hope he uh, maybe gets a shot somewhere else in the future. Um, I said this last week, but I'm kind of surprised by the, like, the heat. I know it's still early in the season, but I didn't – it didn't have the crazy offseason, but I just don't didn't think they'd be, like, sitting at two and five right now, to be honest. Um, I like Jimmy Butler a lot. I think he's, like, still one of the, like, still one of the better guys in the NBA. I like Bam a lot. Um, I, I said I think they'll figure it out because, you know, they're great coaching, Spolstra. Everyone knows about him. Um, but it makes me wonder. Maybe they, maybe they won't. I'm not sure. I want to see how their season plays out. Yeah, well, when it comes to Steve Nash, um, it, it's definitely been a tough three years coaching the Nets, especially with all the background noise that revolved around Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. And when, when it comes to his quality, uh, like there are good qualities of, from him as a coach, but then you look at a coach like Ime Udoka, and as we've seen how their coaching styles meshed with Boston and Brooklyn, and as they face one another in the playoffs, you, you could tell who was a superior coach, and that was you, you, Ime Yudoka. We were expecting that series last season to be like six or seven games, but no, the Celtics go on to sweep them in four. So it was pretty clear from a coaching standpoint that Ime Yudoka outcoached out Steve Nash. And as we see this start, this poor start from the Nets, two and five, uh, it, it was pretty clear that a change was needed. And and really should have been done in the offseason. But of course, the Brooklyn Nets front office wanted to stand their ground and not immediately follow Kevin Durant's demand of firing Nash or he may get it, get him traded out of there. But of course, they went with firing Nash and we'll see how they go with their next head coach, whether it be Ime Udoka, Quinn Snyder, or anyone else, really. Yeah, I will say... Um... Real quick, just to comment on what Cameron said about some fans thinking that uh, Steve Nash had the worst tenure in Nets history, or just the worst tenure in college basketball, excuse me. Um, he's not even the worst coach in Nets history. Uh, if they even remember, John Calipari um, got a coaching stint for the Nets and went 72 and 122. Um, I just had to look that up to confirm. But yeah, he probably had one of the worst tenures there. Um, I, I'll never forget that. Um, thankfully, he's had some success at the college level. But yeah, Steve Nash definitely deserves another chance. He was one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen. Um, you know, I say that with some bias. You know, I just enjoyed watching him play. He was one of the few players I did watch growing up. But um, yeah, just wanted to make that little comment there. And as we look at the rest of the standings, the Lakers, they finally got their first win of the season against Denver with Russell Westbrook coming off the bench as a six-man, really. And so far with the with the soft, small sample size we've had of him coming off the bench, he's been doing good. And it's more or less like he's playing a role that he's more comfortable in. He's not like clogging the spacing in the starting lineup with LeBron and Anthony Davis. So um, what do you guys think the, the like, how the Lakers' progress will go on, especially with their next matchups? Uh, for the next couple of weeks? Um, mm. 
You know, it's hard to say because even though on paper I'd give them a chance against the majority of these teams, um, you know, they just – it's all about consistency at this point. You know, it's easy to say after one game, you know, I'm sure Lakers fans took to social media and said Russell Westbrook, sixth man of the year, um, you know, considering how delusional they are. But, you know, they do not have an easy slate of games. You know, New Orleans with how well and young they are. They have Utah um, two times in the next week, and they play Cleveland. And Cleveland's proven to be a serious factor out of the East. You know, despite, um, Donovan Mitchell's insane, in my opinion, with Chris LeVert. I mean, they've been playing extremely well. They have all the pieces. Um, it's just we'll see. You know, it's kind of one of those first-year jitters. You have to smooth out the rough edges, sand it over. Um, and then Clippers after that. So Clippers are hot, too. You know, they're one of the best teams in basketball, especially after Paul George's performance last night or the night before i mean he had that buzzer beater he's been playing well we'll see if he's back to form i'm not gonna hop on that train too quick um because he kind of does he kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while but yeah lakers have a long way to go they have a lot of things to figure out um but i'm rooting for him i can't see lebron james go down like this i just can't my heart can't take it yeah i like you said I, it just doesn't it's been rough already and it doesn't exactly get any easier anytime soon um, so I think if like the trend continues, maybe some sort of move, um, as in like a trade, uh, is in the future for the Lakers. If they're, are kind of in like a salvage the season kind of mindset. Um, and if Russell Westbrook improves, I think, or not improves, but starts playing, um, more like his old self. A little bit. I think that kind of makes the possibility greater because the trade value will then like be. It's nothing I'd say really right now. I'm not sure any team wants to take that on, but maybe it's not even Russell Westbrook. But I think they'll try to do something to try to just get a, a, a lineup out there that can somehow win games because they can't exactly figure out one right now. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting situation for the Lakers, and hopefully we're moving, we're finally making the decision to move Russell Westbrook to the bench as a six-man and having a more balanced lineup on the floor to start the game and to close out. Uh, definitely will be interesting to see how the Lakers uh, take care of these next couple of games for, for the next couple of weeks. And yeah, that pretty much same goes for every team. We'll see how they progress as the season starts turning up. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.